turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. President Biden announces another aid package for Ukraine to the tune of $375 million. I think there's pressure both uh, from a bipartisan basis here domestically in the United States, as well as uh, the European leaders, uh, as well as President Zelensky. California Reparations Commission members claim slavery is the chief reason for black hardship within that state. They're not actually interested in solving problems. I mean, these are these are political entertainers who masquerade as members of Congress. As debt ceiling default day approaches, Speaker Kevin McCarthy says the White House cannot find any superfluous spending. We will have a default if we continue on the current track. We continue to spend money and that we don't have. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Monday, May 22nd. I'm Mike Scott. As news of the fall of the Ukrainian city of Bakhmut spread, it was announced during the G7 meetings in Japan that the U.S. would send yet another aid package to the war-torn country, along with the much-sought-after F-16 fighter jets. President Biden is all in, alongside European allies finally agreeing to the top item on President Zelensky's wish list, F-16 fighter jets. But it's not unconditional. Zelensky joining G7 leaders today in Hiroshima and reaping the rewards, an additional $375 million in U.S. aid. But while the Ukrainian leader shored up international support ahead of Ukraine's expected counteroffensive, it appears Ukraine's last stronghold fell in the eastern city of Bakhmut. Today, Russian state media reports that Putin congratulated Russian troops on their victory and state TV broadcasting pictures of soldiers celebrating, not independently verified by NBC. Meanwhile, a top Ukrainian commander visiting the Bakhmut front line, acknowledging his troops only retain an insignificant part of the city, but are still pushing ahead on the outskirts. And Zelensky painting a grim picture of what remains after nine months of the bloodiest battle of this war. President Biden says there are conditions attached to the F-16s that will be sent to Ukraine. What assurances do you have that providing F-16s won't escalate this war? I have a flat assurance from from Zelensky that they will not, they will not use it to go on and move into Russian geographic territory. But wherever Russian troops are within Ukraine in the area, they would be able to do that. Meantime, according to the Russian military, the Wagner Group proclaimed victory in Bakhmut, but said there were still pockets of fighting. The eight-month-long battle for Bakhmut has been the longest and possibly the most bloody of the conflict in Ukraine. In a meeting with Germany's chancellor at the sidelines of the G7 summit, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky thanked Western allies for the military aid that they are 
providing. It's not, it's not the de- decision that we will have all these defending measures tomorrow. We have to prepare, but anyway, that is great result. Thanks to all the countries, to all our partners. Thank you very much. Zelensky acknowledged that there isn't much left of the city of Bakhmut. They destroyed everything. There are no buildings. It's a pity. It's tragedy, but for, for today, Bakhmut is only in our hearts. There is nothing on this place. So, just ground and and a lot of dead Russians. Retired Lieutenant General Richard Newton believes that Ukraine receiving the F-16 fighter jets will turn the tide of the war. In February, that he frankly didn't think that uh, Ukraine needed the F-16s, but that uh, I think there's pressure both uh, from a bipartisan basis here domestically in the United States, as well as uh, the European leaders, uh, as well as President Zelensky. The F-16s, in my view, are going to be a game changer. And I mean that in, in a couple of ways. First and foremost, uh, it's, it's a, an extraordinary aircraft. Uh, it's fourth generation. Uh, it's advanced weaponry, advanced radar capabilities. Uh, first and foremost, will make it uh, a, a really a very important asset to protect Ukraine skies from air defense uh, and as well as for missile defense. It's got a radar that can look well beyond what the current radars in Ukraine in terms of hundreds of miles. So that's critical for air defense purposes and missile defense. Newton explains how the Ukrainians may use the new F-16 jets. Secondly, as Ukraine begins now to gear up for this spring offensive, or if it happens to come in the summer, but nonetheless, uh, to really, I think, uh, push back to Russia, it's going to need to be a, a key player, would be a key player, uh, with close air support and providing support to Ukrainian forces on the ground and their artillery, their tanks, their infantry, and so forth. They're combined arms, just like U.S. doctrine. So this is a game changer. Uh, I think it's it's very good news for Ukraine, uh, and I'm really glad to see that uh, at least the training is going to begin, supposedly in Europe, I would expect uh, inside of Europe, probably in Poland. When it comes to our own inventory, Newton says the U.S. need not worry as the Jets will likely come from what's already stored in Europe. I don't think it'll be much of an impact, certainly to our inventory. There are 5,000 of these aircraft built through the years uh, in over 24 nations. So the aircraft will be provided uh, uh, purportedly from uh, European nations. Uh, whether or not the United States provides F-16s is, is, I don't think, an issue here at all. But there's there are a number of aircraft available on European shore uh, to provide uh, to Ukraine. And so the key point, though, Kelly, as you reported, is to, to really uh, launch this uh, training on this uh, remarkable aircraft. It's uh, the United States Air Force has advised the president that it's going to take up to about four months. Uh, these are not new Ukrainian fighter pilots. These are well-seasoned, combat-tested Ukrainian fighter pilots, and they're just waiting to get their hands on this F-16 to really, I believe, be a, a force multiplier. Expert analysts say that a Russian victory in Bakhmut was unlikely to turn the tide in the war. Russian state news agencies cited the Kremlin press service as saying President Vladimir Putin congratulated the Wagner assault detachments as well as all servicemen of the Russian Armed Forces units who provided them with the necessary support and flank protection on the completion of the operation, end quote. Mexico has been using planes and buses to move migrants away from the U.S. border. We get more on this developing story from our Daybreak Insider, 
Jackie Quinn. Mexican authorities have been flying migrants south and busing new arrivals away from its border with Guatemala to keep them from massing along the U.S. southern border. One official speaking anonymously says about 300 migrants are being transferred south each day. The director of a human rights group in Washington, Adam Isaacson, says the northern part of the migrant route is being emptied out a bit, but it adds more people to the southern and middle parts. An equilibrium, he says, that cannot be sustained. The U.S. reports a more than 50% drop in the number of illegal border crossings since Title 42 expired, about 4,000 a day. I'm Jackie Quinn. According to California's Reparations Commission, slavery is the reason for the current state of poverty-stricken black neighborhoods in the Golden State. California's legislature created the task force in order to look into so-called remedies for equity imbalances in the state in the form of reparations. However, the proposed price tag for such a move has made even staunch backers of that proposal raise their eyebrows. Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom balked at the proposed payments to individual black residents that could reach upwards of $1.2 million. In total, experts believe that, conservatively, a reparations payout would be estimated at three times the California annual budget. But California isn't the only state taking on the question of reparations. During a city council meeting in Tampa, Florida, this citizen claimed it's time white Americans were put on notice. This city owe us, each and every black person in the city of Tampa, at least $3 million in reparations. All this nonsense, homelessness, and all this other garbage y'all talk about, police violence and all this stuff, don't nobody care about that. We care about our reparations. And we have to put white people on notice. Progressive Democrat Cory Bush of Missouri says it is her opinion that it's time for national reparations. The United States has a moral and legal obligation to provide reparations. Jeremy Hunt is chair of Veterans on Duty and says that many reparations backers want the funding to come directly out of the military budget. According to the squad, they're planning on taking money from the military budget to fund their $14 trillion plan, which, by the way, is like half the U.S. GDP. I mean, it's, it's astronomical. And But they, they, I guess they think that somehow the military budget is just kind of a piggy bank mm-hmm. where they can just take money and, and, and reallocate it to whatever little pet progressive project they have going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly our national security doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we do that, we will be unprepared, unfocused, and we will be in a place where we will be beholden and at the mercy of our enemies. Mm-hmm. Right now, China's military budget outpaces our own. Hunt explains that politicians who would suggest taking from national security to fund reparations are not serious people. They're not actually interested in solving problems. I mean, these are these are political entertainers who masquerade as members of Congress. Mm-hmm. They're not actually trying to get things done. But what they're doing is, I mean, look, the, the squad, they know that this reparations plan is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to get passed. They know that we know this is not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But they're like these kind of snake oil salesmen mm-hmm. going around to poor, uh, low-income black neighborhoods and lying to people, mm-hmm. telling them, oh, we're going to get you your, your reparations plan. When, Just like you said, they could be saying, hey, how can we help you get a job? How can we 
we help ha- provide better educational outcomes for your kids? How can we have safer streets so your, your children aren't afraid to be shot when they're trying to get to, get to class every day? I mean, there's serious issues, in, 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 especially in, in, in lower kind of working class black communities, that, that the squad is not interested in actually solving those deeper problems. They are here trying to score political points for something that's not even going to go anywhere at all. Ultimately, Hunt feels that reparations will make our country less safe and less prosperous. The ideology that they're espousing is going to leave our country unsafe. I mean, if you start getting, if you start sharing this idea that, oh, we'll just take money from the military budget whenever you have some fanciful idea, right. that, that's going to leave us in a dangerous place. I, I have an honor of serving as chairman of Veterans on Duty. Mm-hmm. We have veterans standing up talking about national security issues, strong national defense, because we have these politicians that go around playing games with the military budget, playing games um, with, with serious matters they're for They're all country. about the game. That's who they oh, are. Absolutely. According to the Reparations Task Force, the, quote, American government at all levels, including in California, has historically criminalized African-Americans for the purposes of social control and to maintain an economy based on exploited black labor, end quote. The field of Republican presidential contenders is about to get bigger this week. We get more on this developing story from Daybreak Insider White House correspondent Greg Clugston. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina made it official Friday when he filed paperwork with the Federal Election Commission. He has scheduled a formal announcement on Monday at the private Baptist College where he attended. Meanwhile, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is close to formally launching his 2024 White House bid. An announcement could come on Wednesday in Miami. And there are a few more Republicans still considering whether or not to enter the race. Greg Clugston, Washington. During his trip to the G7 in Japan, President Biden was hounded by the press on the status of the U.S. debt ceiling talks, to which the president believes that should the U.S. default on debt, he would be blameless. On the merits, based on what I've offered, I would be blameless. On the politics of it, no one will be blameless. And by the way, that's one of the, that's one of the things that some are, are contemplating. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders says that if he and other progressive Democrats had influence on the White House, giving Republicans trouble over the debt ceiling, he's proud to take credit. The degree that the White House says to these Republicans, stop your hypocrisy. Stop defending the billionaire class from paying their fair share of taxes while you want to cut programs that the elderly, the children, the sick and the poor need. If I have any role, the progressives have any role in that, that's great. Biden also claimed that he had the authority to unilaterally increase the debt limit using the 14th Amendment, a legal argument many experts say would be unlikely to hold up in court. However, Speaker Kevin McCarthy says that it is imperative that the U.S. get its spending under control. This White House will not acknowledge that they're spending too much. Uh, I've been very clear about where we need to go. And, Sean, you know this better than anybody else. The way the process works, the House passes a bill, the Senate passes a bill, you go to conference. Senate never passed anything. The House raised the debt ceiling, but also put us on a trajectory to actually get our House in order. And what every, all your viewers need to understand... What is a debt limit? It's giving your child a credit card. They charged it all the way up. 
But year after year after year, all you did was raise the debt limit. So now you have to pay this credit card, but this credit card has more money on it than you make in an entire year. Our debt is larger than our entire economy by an extra 20%. So before we raise that debt limit, shouldn't we look at ways that we can save money, curve what we're spending? Because we've been spending more than we've been bringing in for the last 21 years. Representative Bob Good of Virginia weighed in saying there will not be a default. The House spent 90 days negotiating a deal to raise the debt limit. Most Republicans, of course, didn't want to raise the debt limit at all. Uh, Most Republicans have never voted for a debt ceiling increase. But we came together and we uh, negotiated a modest $1.5 trillion by D.C. standards, uh, increase the debt ceiling in return for significant cuts in spending, significant reforms that will put us on a stronger or um, better path towards fiscal responsibility in the country, which is critically needed. I can tell you we should stop talking about default except in the context that we will have a default if we continue on the current track, we continue to spend money that we don't have, we continue to borrow from our kids and our grandkids, and we can no longer service the debt, sell the debt, or, or borrow to, to, to meet our uh, reckless amount of spending that we're trying to do. That's when we'll have a default. We're not going to have a default in this case here. Republicans are determined to cut spending. There's a lack of movement between the sides over what Republicans want to cut in regards to discretionary spending, which is part of the spending Congress controls through the appropriations process each year. That said, both President Biden and Speaker Kevin McCarthy are set to meet in person later on Monday. Meta may soon take to Twitter. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has more on this potential social media showdown. According to Bloomberg, Instagram is preparing to launch a text-based app this summer that could compete with Twitter. It will be separate from Instagram, but users will be able to connect their accounts and follow the same people they follow on Instagram. The new app comes as far-left Twitter users quit Twitter over its new freedom of speech policies. Tasha Stevens reporting. A giant in American theological circles has passed. Daybreak Insider's Keith Peters has more on the passing of the Reverend Dr. Tim Keller in New York City. Timothy Keller, a pastor and best-selling author who founded the influential Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, has died at home after a three-year bout with pancreatic cancer. He was 72. Keller and his family launched Redeemer in 1989, and the congregations went on to welcome more than 5,000 attendees across its multiple locations each week. Active in the so-called New Calvinist movement, Keller's Christian message reached millions through his 31 books, his online presence, and the 1,000 churches that his ministry helped start. Keith Peters reporting. And finally, you can now bring Fido with you when you go out to eat. Just make sure that it's alfresco. The U.S. government has given the blessing to restaurants to allow pet dogs in outdoor spaces at restaurants. The U.S. government says it's okay to bring your pup if you're heading to outdoor brunch. Mm, Just in time for summer, the government has officially given its blessing to allowing dogs in outdoor restaurants. But restaurants are advised to get the go-ahead from local regulators first. The FDA says dogs still shouldn't be allowed inside restaurants except for service animals. It comes as dog ownership is up and more people are looking for dining options Hmm. that will accommodate their pets. On Yelp, searches using 
the dogs allowed filter jumped nearly 60% in the last two years. This comes as new polling shows that pet ownership is on the rise. Nearly 87 million households now have a pet, which is up from 85 million in 2019. Ileana Minkoff is one dog owner who is ecstatic with the news. I think that's fantastic. And what that will allow is for people like me who have dogs and love to travel to go to other states and sit outside and eat, which means I can now bring my dog when I travel, which is amazing. Megan Cornelius is the co-owner of Zazie Restaurant and says she's all in on the big change. So all the dogs are welcome here. We do a Monday night dog night specifically on the patio so all the dogs can kind of commune together. It's their night out in the city. Uh, and you get $10 off a bottle of wine when you bring in your dog. Uh, but they're welcome out in the parklet, in the back patio. And considering we live in San Francisco where dogs outnumber children, I think it's great for business. People really enjoy bringing their dog out with them. I mean, we live in a city that not a lot of people have backyards, that their dogs can just be outside all the time. So it's kind of built into the structure of, like, let's go take the dog for a walk. Let's stop and have a bite to eat. Cornelia says that she's not worried about how dogs will interact in such a public setting. Dog owners know their particular dog, and so they'll say, I'm just going to keep him over here. He's a little shy. She's a little more on the quiet side, or they can be barkers. So I think that actually pet owners typically know their animal and kind of know what they're comfortable with or not. Well, not everyone is on board with the move to bring dogs to dinner. The Salty Dog Cafe in Hilton Head, South Carolina, used to allow dogs until they didn't. According to the restaurant's workers, too many dogs were barking through meals and fighting, so they had to throw the pooches out. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.